Um, hey, welcome everybody. Happy Easter. Thank you so much for making it out to a service. Um, whether it is your first time with us or whether you have been coming to Access Church for years, I just want you to know that personally, as a church, all of us, man, we just enjoy so much that we get this opportunity to be together. Um, we appreciate you carving some of your time out to be here and join us for a service. I know there's probably a million other things you could be doing and a million things you still have yet to do today, but I just want you to know that we appreciate that you chose to carve out some time and be here in person. Um, I also want to welcome those of you who are watching online as well. I wish so bad you could have been here for the entire service to get the full experience, but I'm glad you're watching this video anyway, and uh, thanks for tuning in. And I just want to say this, here, here's our goal, our heart as a church, not just for the service today, but actually just our heart in general, is that every time we gather together, every time we, we talk and challenge one another, that we would all leave desiring to grow in our relationship with God more that we would understand God a little better, that we would capture his heart a little more, and that in turn, that would make us desire God just a little bit more. So anyway, glad you are here. Um, we are today starting a new message series called This Changes Everything. Um, if you are not familiar with our church, um, a message series is basically where we take one kind of big, broad topic and break it down into four or five or six weeks, talk about it from different angles and different applications and all that sort of thing. So anyway, you picked a good day to be here, not just because it's Easter, but also because you are here for the first week of this series. It's going to continue another five weeks after today. And so this is your official invite to come back for the whole series, and uh, we hope that you do. But today I want to do something a little different, and uh, this is probably something that you, you weren't expecting. I don't want to give some long sermon. Uh, we're not going to have a 45-minute message. Some of you inside are like, yes, thank you, there is a God. So <clears throat> we're not going to do that. Instead, I just want to sit down and chat and talk for 10 or 15 minutes, and I'm going to make a big assumption about us as we have this little talk together. I assume that most of us believe in God. I assume that even most of you who are watching online no idea where you're from. I assume most of you also believe in God. Um, if that's not you, if you're here today and you don't, you're not sure about God, Jesus, and the Bible, and that whole sort of Christianity thing, um, I want to say like an especially big thank you for being here today. Honestly, it takes a lot of courage to be here, and uh, I just want you to know that we appreciate having you here, even if you believe something different than us. Um, I hope that you enjoy your experience here, and I hope that you keep coming back to discover not only what our church is all about, but maybe a better idea of what Christianity is about as well. However, I don't think that's most of us. I think most of us, we believe in God. We, we know he's there. Um, some of us are, are probably a little more, we have God a little more involved in our lives than others of us. Some of us are really big into doing the church thing. You know, there are many of us here today that church is a regular part of our life and we come to services often and maybe we read our Bibles and we pray and even you serve or give or whatever it might be. That's, that's some of us in a camp today. But I also know there's some of us that, you know, the church thing really isn't our gig. And I want you to know that's okay. Okay, no shame or condemnation here. Maybe you're busy or got other stuff or just never really clicked. But I think no matter where we fall, I, I just believe that for the majority of us, we believe in God. We probably don't think, we probably have nothing against God. We probably, we're good with him. We assume he's good with us. And there's just, it's kind of, you know, we do our thing. God does his thing and we involve him as much as we want. And that's just, that's just kind of the story that it goes from there. 
But I want us to think about a question for today. I want us to ponder something for a few minutes together. And this is a weird question, okay, especially in light of Easter and what we're celebrating today. But I think this is a question that many of us have either overlooked or that we've never even stopped to ask in the first place. And if we already believe in God, if we're good with him, and if God is good with us, then why Jesus? You ever stop to think about that? You ever stop to ask yourself that question? Okay, God, I, I believe in you. I know you're there. Maybe you're involved, maybe you're not. But like, what's the whole Jesus thing about? What, why are we celebrating Jesus today? Why, why are we gathering to, to remember his death and resurrection? Why do billions of Christians around the world celebrate Christmas and Easter, the birth and, and resurrection of Jesus. I mean, there's, there's probably nothing that I could tell most of us that would be new about the Easter story, right? I, th I think most of us have a pretty basic grasp of the details that, okay, Jesus came, Jesus lived, he died, he was buried, he rose again. All of that's cool stuff. But why? Why did Jesus come? You have any ideas? Why, why did Jesus live and do all the cool stuff that he did? Why did Jesus die? Maybe you've heard it before. Some, some well-meaning Christian told you, Jesus died for you. And you just naturally think, well, why did he do that? I didn't ask him to die for me. Why Jesus? Why do we remember and celebrate his death, burial, and resurrection? Why is this, if we already believe in God, if we're good with him, if there's nothing between us, why do we remember and celebrate the life, death, and resurrection of a Jewish carpenter from Nazareth? Here is, here's the unfortunate reality. I'm just going to jump right into it. We may believe in God, and we may be okay with him, but every single one of us, every single human being is separated from God. Not just physically, but spiritually separated from him. Because God is so holy. He is so perfect. He is so righteous. He is so set apart. There is no one like God who has glory and majesty and just pure as pure can be. And you and I, we're not like that. And separation is just the unfortunate result of us not being as good and perfect as God is. Now I know that we like to think, you know, I'm, I'm going to assume again that none of us are serial killers or child abusers or Colombian drug lords. Okay, Any, anybody? That you? Don't raise your hand. I have to tell the cops. I'm a mandatory reporter. Okay? That's probably none of us. Um, but if we're honest with ourselves, we may be better than some other people, but don't we all know inside, but I'm not as good as God, right? Can we all just admit to ourselves, I know I'm not perfect. I mean, none of us would volunteer to have all of our thoughts from last week put up on this big screen, right? Every thought you had driving in rush hour, every thought you had while you were arguing with your spouse or your boyfriend or girlfriend, Every thought you had while your kids were just, you know, like, none of us want that up there. None of us would like to be caught in a Jim Carrey liar, liar situation, right? Where you got to be just brutally honest all the time, no matter who's around, no matter what the situation is. That sounds horrible. I want to be honest, but not that honest, okay? So, like, 
We might be, if we compare ourselves to each other, maybe if you compare yourself to the person sitting next to you especially, you might be better than them. We might be better than some other people, right? If you're nodding your head and you're next to your spouse, just (laughs) nod carefully. But here's the thing. None of us are perfect. None of us are as good as God. And any time that we do something, say something, act with any time, anything that is not as pure and holy and righteous and perfect as God, anything other than that, God calls sin. Ugh. We don't like that word, do we? Sin's an ugly word. We, we'd rather call it mistakes or errors or, yeah, you know, I made a little flub here. Whatever we want to call it, God calls that sin. And here's, here's the deal. Sin separates us from God. Whether it's a little sin or a lot of sin, whether it's a big sin or a tiny sin, whether it's an accidental sin or an on-purpose, anything in between, sin separates us from God. We can believe in God. We can know He's there. We can be totally fine with Him. But from God's perspective, we are separated. We are not right with Him anymore. And because we're not right, every one of us, myself included, because we're not right, we can't know God, we can't be with God, we can't get close to God, we can't experience his presence, we don't go to heaven when we die just because we're a good person or tried really hard. This separation from God's perspective, our unrightness completely pulls us. God still loves us. God still wants a relationship with us, but we have chosen to separate ourselves from him. We have chosen to make ourselves not right with him. And as if that wasn't bad news enough, aren't you glad you came today? Just all bad news. I promise, there's going to be good news. As if that wasn't bad enough, once you and I are separated, there is nothing that we can do to be connected again. There's absolute, once we are not right with God, there is no way in our own power for us to be right with God again. And I think sometimes we try to do that. Now, we might not want to be fanatical about God and be this whole, you know, church person sort of thing, but I don't think any of us want to be on God's bad side, right? Like, if he, if he has a bad side, well, I don't want to be on that one. We want to stay kind of, you know, a little bit in his favor. And so we try. We know we're not perfect, But we try these little ways to be right with him again. We try to live a good life, right? Some of us, you know, we try not to swear. Maybe not our founding pastor so much, but um, if you're not a regular here, you won't get that joke. But trust me, it was funny, okay? Um, We, uh, you know, we try try not to drink or or smoke. We try to be faithful to our spouse. We want to pay our taxes. We want to be responsible at our job. But living a good life, does not make us right with God again. Some of us, we, uh, we want to do like religious sorts of things to get maybe some gold stars and get back on God's good side. And so every once in a while, we'll read the Bible or if we're really in trouble, we'll pray or maybe you come on Easter or Christmas. Again, that's totally cool. Glad you're here. But listen, doing those church sorts of things doesn't make us right with God again. It's a good idea, but it doesn't make us right with God. 
Sometimes we, we try to like do more good than bad, and so we'll be extra generous and extra patient and extra compassionate, and we'll, we'll give some money to somebody that we see that needs it, and all these things we try to do, but it does not remove our sin. We are separated, not right with God. And we like to view it as like this, this cosmic scale. Okay, my good has to outweigh me, so I better do some more good. I better do some more good. Oh, I screwed up. I better do some more good again. It's not like that. From God's perspective, it's not a scale. It's a light switch. It's either on or off. It's black or white. We are either perfect or we are not perfect. We are either sinless or we are sinful. We are either holy or we are not holy. And there is no in-between. There is no gray area. We can believe in God all we want, and we can have nothing against him, but we are stuck in this place of separation. In the New Testament, if you're not familiar with the Bible, it's about the last third of the Bible. In the New Testament, there is a letter written by a man named Paul that Christians call Romans. He wrote it to some Roman believers. And in the first two and a half chapters of Romans, Paul lays out this compelling case from God's perspective. He's writing on God's behalf about how all human beings find themselves separated from God. That not one person in human history has ever been able to be right with God on their own. That He writes about it from a religious perspective and a non-religious perspective. He writes about it from people trying to be right with God and people running away from God. And he comes to this conclusion, nobody can ever fix this situation that we're in. In fact, towards the end of this section, if you want to read it all later, it's, it's Romans chapter 1, 2, and 3. Towards the end of this section, he writes this. Obviously, the law applies to those to whom it was given. For its purpose is to keep people from having excuses and to show that the entire world, that's you and I, we are part of the entire world, is guilty, is not right before God. For no one can ever be made right with God by doing what the law commands. The law what he's talking about here, he's, he's writing to Jewish believers or Jewish people at this point. They're, they're the Ten Commandments, their Jewish law, but this would also apply to anything that you and I do to try to be good, to try and behave, to try and say the right things, to try and be sincere, to try to try. The law simply shows us how sinful we are. Basically, Paul shares God's perspective, and this is the idea that, that there's nothing that we can do to be right with God on our own. In fact, his point is the more we try to be right with God, the more we try to close that gap of separation that we think we can, the more we actually ought to realize how big that gap is. That all the rules that are there to follow, whether they're Bible rules or rules we grew up with or whatever, the things we think we have to do, all those rules, what they do is show us we're not very good at following the rules. You and I are in this place where there is nothing we can do to be made right with God. So back to the question for today. Why Jesus? Why Jesus? Because Jesus changes everything. Because now, when we, when we think about the Easter story, what Jesus did, now there is a way to be made right with God. Now there is a way for us to be reconnected and restored and have access to God. All those things. The very next verses he writes, he says this, but now God has shown us a way to be made right with him. And it's without keeping the requirements of the law. It's without 
having anything to do with behaviors or if we try really hard or if you're better than your brother or if you've never done such and such sort of thing. It has nothing to do with that. This way was promised in the writings of Moses and the prophets long ago. All of the Old Testament is leading up to this point of a Savior coming, Jesus Christ. You and I, we are made right with God. Totally right. Not a little right. 100% right with God. How? By placing our faith in Jesus Christ. This is why Jesus. Jesus changes everything. And this is true for everyone who believes, no matter who we are. No matter what our past looks like, no matter what our life looks like right now, no matter how much or how little we go to church, we can be made totally right with God when we put our trust in Jesus. It's not about doing the right things anymore. It's about believing the right thing. He goes on to say this, For everyone has sinned, we all fall short of God's glorious standard. That's what we talked about already. And you might fall short less than somebody next to you, but we're all in the same boat, okay? We all, none of us make the cut. Yet God, in his grace, because of his love, he freely makes us right in his sight. How? He did it through Christ Jesus. This is why Jesus, when he freed us from the penalty of, for our sins, when we were freed from that separation that we deserved, that unrightness that we deserved, Jesus freed us from that. Why? For God presented Jesus as the sacrifice for sin. People, you and I, are made right with God when they believe that Jesus sacrificed his life, shedding his blood. It's, it's, it's so simple. It's so clear. You and I, we are made right. We are reconnected. We have access to God. If you want to use Christianese terminology, we are saved. We can go to heaven when we die. We can experience God's presence now. We can be close to him in this, this amazing relationship, not because of how we live, not because of what we say, not because of we went to church or not, not because we were better than somebody else, not because we tried really hard, not because we had enough sincerity, not because we were baptized or had communion or, or were confirmed or any of those things but simply by putting our trust in Jesus Christ. The word faith, the word believe, trust, those are all synonyms for each other that when we believe that Jesus was totally right, he could be with God, but he gave his life, he died on the cross to trade with us his rightness for our unrightness. That is how we are made right in God's sight, by putting our trust in what Jesus did. He goes on just a few verses later to say this, can we boast then, can we like stick out our chest at all, that we've done anything to be accepted by God to be made right with him again? <laughs> no, that would be absurd because our acquittal, our forgiveness, our new rightness with God is not based on obeying the law. It's not based on our behaviors or actions or our trying. It is based on faith. So you and I are made right with God through faith and not because of anything we do or any way we live or by observing any sort of laws. You and I, we do not earn rightness with God because of past efforts. We don't get rightness with God because of current efforts. We don't even keep 
rightness with God because of future efforts. It's not like put your trust in Jesus, he makes you right, and then we better make sure and hold on to it. No, 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 no. That's, that's not it at all. We are made totally, completely, 100% like there was never any separation at all. Right with God through faith in Jesus, period. And it is not like, you know, Paul's writing in Romans chapter 3, like this is some one-off kind of weird message. You know, maybe, maybe Paul was dozing off as he wrote this part. No, 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 no. This is the central message of Christianity. It is all over. This is what Christianity is all about. A couple chapters later, Paul writes this. But God showed his great love for us. How? By sending Christ to die for us while we were still sinners. And since now, because of that, since we have been made right in God's sight by the blood of Christ, he will certainly save us from God's condemnation. Now we are right and good to go and able to experience him. Jesus came while we were unright to make us right with God. The Apostle John was Jesus' best friend while he was here on earth. And towards the end of his life, John writes this. It says, God showed how much he loved us. By sending his one and only son, this is why Jesus, this is why Jesus changes everything. Sending his one and only son into the world so that we might have eternal life through him. So that we could be completely right with God through Jesus. This is real love. Not that we loved God. Not that we earned it. Not that we deserved it. Not that somehow we were better than somebody else. Not that we showed God how sincere we are and then he was like, oh, okay, I'll let it go. No, 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 no. Not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son Jesus as a sacrifice to take away our sins, as a sacrifice to close that gap, that chasm between us that we could not close ourselves. That is why Jesus even Jesus himself talked about this often. If you, if you read through the, the gospel accounts, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, he was always telling people, this is what I'm for, this is what I'm for. In fact, at the Last Supper with his disciples, he said, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one, no matter how good they are, no matter how hard they try, no matter what their life looks like, no one comes to the Father except through me. Now, a lot of people in history have claimed to be from God a lot of people in history have claimed to know the way to get to God. A lot of people in history have been crazy. How can we trust Jesus? Because to me, to my knowledge, nobody else has ever predicted their own death and resurrection and then pulled it off. That's a pretty cool party trick, okay? Like, that's a... Jesus of that, I go with whatever you say because that is amazing. That proves you know what you're talking about. I am the way, the truth, and the life. In fact, Jesus also said probably the most famous verse in the entire Bible is John 3.16. For this is how God loved the world. He gave his one and only Son so that everyone who believes in him, not follows him, not even obeys him, but everybody who believes, puts their faith, their trust in him, will not perish but have right standing with God. Have eternal life. And I don't know why 16 gets all the love and 17 gets forgotten, but 17 is just as good. God sent his son Jesus into the world not to judge the world, but to save the world 
through him. Listen, it is, it is all over in every letter and document in the New Testament, all over the Bible. This is what Christianity is all about. Why Jesus? Because Jesus changes everything. Because Jesus offers us this free gift, this rightness with God that we could never, ever attain on our own. And listen, there are, there are plenty of good reasons to do the good things that we thought would make us right with God. There are, there are so many good reasons to live a good life, to be honest, to not lie, to pay your taxes, to be faithful to your spouse. There are tons of good reasons to live in a way that is kind and compassionate and loving of people. There are plenty of good reasons to do the whole church thing more than once or two. I mean, there's so many good reasons to do these things, but not a one of them is to make us right with God. And we can't, it's, it's almost like it's impossible for us to believe it, we, we want to complicate it. We want to add more rules and regulations. It's almost like we feel better about ourselves if we try and like, yeah, thanks Jesus, but also look how good I am. Like, but I don't know why we don't, but it's so clear. It's so simple. Jesus changes everything. Why Jesus? Because Jesus makes us right with God. Why Jesus? Because Jesus is how we have access to God. Why Jesus? Because Jesus is how we experience God's presence. Why Jesus? Because Jesus gives us this, this incredible relationship that we can have with our Heavenly Father. Why Jesus? Because it's through Jesus that we can experience the promises of peace and satisfaction and joy. Why Jesus? Because it's through Jesus that we have an eternity to look forward to in heaven with God forever. Why Jesus? Because Jesus absolutely changes everything. He makes us right with God, not our efforts. And listen, if, if there is one thing that I could ever plead with us, if, if I could sit in a room and have five minutes to just beg you for every single one of us, if there's one thing I wish you would do, it would be that you would put your trust in Jesus Christ that you would put your faith in Jesus. I know we probably believe in God. I know there's probably nothing between us. But have you put your trust in Jesus? Because there is nothing more important in this world than that one decision right there. I want to read one more verse this morning. It just, to me, it highlights the importance of Easter and what we are celebrating here together today. It says this, I do not treat the grace of God is meaningless. I don't treat Easter as meaningless. I don't treat Good Friday as meaningless. I don't treat Jesus as meaningless. Why? Because if keeping the law could make us right with God, if our behaviors could make us right with God, if what we say or don't say could make us right with God, if what we drink or don't drink could make us right with God, if how we treat or don't treat somebody could make us right with God, if there was any other way to be right with God, then there was no need for Christ to die. Then there was no need for Jesus to come and live and die. If there was any way for you and I to be right with God again, then Jesus being arrested and tortured and mocked and spit on and beard pulled out and whipped and flesh off his body, his crucifixion hanging there, suffocating to death. That means nothing if there was any other way to be right to God. 
If there is any other way to be right with God, then we have all royally wasted our times here this morning and we should just go to grandma's house for lunch. But the truth is there's not another way. There is no other way for you and I to be right with God except through Jesus Christ. And listen, whether you come back next week or not, whether you watch next week or not, whether we change our lives or not, I, man, my, my desire, my prayer, if, I, if God could grant me one wish, it would be that every single one of us would leave here today knowing what Easter means and having put our own trust in Jesus. And so I want to give you an opportunity to do that this morning. <clears throat> there are some of you that you have, you've, you, you, you know this, you put your trust in Jesus a long time ago. Man, what I want to say to you is please don't ever drift from that. Please don't ever fall away from believing anything else other than Jesus to make you right with God. Stay true and stay firm to him. But I know that not all of us have made that decision. If you're here today and maybe you grew up in a Christian home, maybe you believe in God even, but you have never made the decision yourself, I am putting my trust in you, Jesus, to make me right with God, I want to give you that opportunity to do so this morning. And so if I could, I just ask all of us to bow our heads and close our eyes as we pray. Um, not that I have super special magic words when I pray, but just I want to lead us. And uh, the reason we're just bowing, closing our eyes is just for privacy's sake for everybody else around us. And here's the thing. If you have never put your trust in Jesus, or maybe you did a long time ago and then you drifted and you want to put your trust in him again, would you, just for my sake, not for God's sake, would you just slip your hand up so I can see? Nobody else is, is looking around. This is just so I know who I'm praying for. If you've never made that decision yourself, just go ahead and keep your hand up. That is awesome. I'm so happy for you. You can go ahead and put your hand down. And would everybody just pray along with me silently? Father, thank You for Your incredible love. Thank You, God, that You desire a relationship with me way more than I could ever desire one with You. You are such an amazing God. Father, today I admit and I acknowledge there's no way for me to be right with you on my own. I've tried, but I've come up short every time. I cannot be as perfect as you are. And so today, I put my trust in your son Jesus. Not in my efforts, but in what his death and resurrection accomplished for me. Jesus, I believe that you and you alone make me right with God. And now, Father, because we are right with you, because of our trust in Jesus. Father, now we can experience you and enjoy you and grow in our relationship with you. And Father, I just want to invite you in more and more into our lives. May we experience you more. May we, may we understand your heart more. May we desire to be with you more and more because of what Jesus has done for us. Thank you forever and ever for sending your one and only Son for me. It's in his name we pray. Amen.